you guys. Welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. I'm Krista Horton, and I am here with my husband, Zach. Hey. And this is season three. Um, we're on episode seven of this year, and today we're going to be studying in Second Nephi of the Book of Mormon, chapters six through ten. Uh apology for last week's episode. Um, we had a wonderful, wonderful episode with Art Olivas, and we were so grateful for him and everything that he uh, shared and commented, and he's got a great podcast. And And uh, then we went and listened to it after it was all done, and the audio quality was horrible, and we have no idea why. And so we feel really bad because what he shared was so good, and, and if you were bugged by the audio, know that we were bugged even more. And so we're still trying to figure this out. Um, so I thought I'd share with you just, this isn't, I don't know, maybe by way of explanation or, or defense. Um, if you've, if you've just joined us recently, we are husband and wife podcasting team. Our studio consists of setting up our microphone on the dresser in our bedroom and sitting on our rug in our bedroom, uh, putting turbo on for our kids to watch on Netflix while we record a podcast or trying to do it in between naps. And so um, we're, we're really trying to do the best that we can. But if something bothers you, know that that's maybe why. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, season, we're season three, so we're almost, we're going into three years, but we, we still feel pretty, pretty much beginners in this podcasting. But I will have to say that we have, have loved what we're doing here, and it has been so good for us to just study with you um, and have people that are excited about this like we are and hopefully we're doing a little bit of what we set out to do um discovering helping you discover the scriptures like i said in the beginning um and really just connecting to god in your everyday life which is a lot what we're going to be talking about today in these chapters as we study another apology but before we begin is i was, I was looking listening back zach to some of our past episodes and if you're listening to those season one was the book of mormon as well we went through the book of mormon um, and we introduced ourselves by saying like, hi, I'm Kristen. I'm with my da 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 blank husband, Zach. I would, we would say something. And one of the ones that I've noticed we said a lot was I'm with my congested husband or Zach loves <laughs> cough drops or, and we haven't had kind of a sick episode for a while, but we both kind of got some cold. Zach is a little more, um, <clears throat> I'm back on the cough drop train. <laughs> yes, you are back on the cough drop drop chain train. So anyway, we are here. Hopefully um, that doesn't affect our sound today with some of our colds, but we are just grateful to be here and looking forward to this study. I think we've we've both really felt like this is something that we're excited to be studying to with you guys today. So here we go. Um, you might remember this. Uh, this is about 10 years ago. Um, and it was all over the news. Uh, in Chile, there were these miners that were trapped in a Chilean mine. Uh, they were working down there. There was a massive cave-in. Uh, it was 2,300 feet underneath the earth. Um, and the cave-in meant that they couldn't get out. Of course, no one could get in. Um, they had one small little supply of, of, of food and water that they had down there. Um, but uh, it looked really pretty bleak. And... 
uh, after 17 days, they were able, the, the people on the outside were able to drill down and put a tube down so they could get food and water and medicine. But it took them 69 days um, before they were able to be rescued from this mine. And I was reading a, uh, it actually was in the Enzyme, someone describing it. This is in a 2015 Enzyme article. Uh, and the article just said this one phrase or this one line describing it. Although they had tools and knowledge, because of the instability of the mine, they could not save themselves. Their only chance was to be found and rescued. In our study this week, um, that's what we noticed Jacob is trying to teach. Um, the very beginning in chapter 6, these are sermons that Nephi includes in his record from his brother Jacob. And Jacob begins his sermon, this is chapter 6, verse 5, by saying he's going to quote some words of Isaiah, some prophecies of Isaiah that Nephi wants him to specifically teach from. And then he says, uh, Wherefore, these words may be likened unto you, for you are the house of Israel. And there are many things which have been spoken by Isaiah which may be likened unto you because you are the house of Israel. He says the same thing twice to emphasize. The reason I'm reading to you Isaiah is because uh, what Isaiah is describing will help you in your situation. So here's what's happening to the Nephites to which Isaiah applies. Um, the story that we've read so far in the Book of Mormon is this family, Lehi and his sons and daughters and, and uh, family, have to leave Jerusalem, which is, in a sense, the promised land. Um, in the Old Testament, this land is the promised land, and they have to leave the promised land. They go into the wilderness, and uh, the, the new Book of Mormon videos do a pretty good job of this. As they, When they go into the wilderness, they kind of set up a camp, and they start a life there. And if you're part of that caravan, you might think, here we go. Here's our promised land. God said he'd lead us away from Jerusalem. He led us into the wilderness, and here's our promised land. But of course, it's not. They take an eight-year journey further into the wilderness. They get to the ocean side by the, they call it Bountiful. And they think, okay, this must be the promised land. We've got the ocean here and the trees and it's beautiful. And this must be the promised land. But of course it's not. They have to get in a boat and sail across the ocean. And then they land uh, in the Americas and this is the promised land. Surely this is the promised land. And then right before chapter six, Nephi details how the Lamanites and the Nephites split. And because the Lamanites want to kill Nephi, he and his, his followers have to leave the land of their first inheritance and go elsewhere in the wilderness. So they have to leave the promised land again. And then later on in the Book of Mormon, when uh, Mosiah the first is king, they'll have to leave that southern land and go all the way north in the land of Zarahemla, and they'll leave the promised land again. I kind of think that's what's on the minds of the Nephites as they're uh, listening to Jacob's sermon. I think that's what's on Jacob's mind is, you have been pushed from home to home to home, and you might feel lost, you might feel buried, you might feel forgotten. But I want to tell you about a God who will rescue you. In fact, I'm going to tell you, Jacob says, oh, how great the plan of our God. I want to tell you God's plan for rescuing his people. That line in that article, Although they had tools and knowledge, because of the instability of the mind, they could not save themselves. Their only chance was to be found and rescued. 
I think Jacob's intent in the sermon is to explain how God plans to find and rescue his people. Now that's likening it to the Nephites. For us, if you're listening, I'm sure that you have experiences, either past or maybe present, that make you feel lost or buried Um, like you are in need of finding and rescuing. And so as you study these chapters, you likewise can look for how it is the Lord plans to rescue you. And I think I might even add to to that as we think of the the journey that these people were on, this wandering in the wilderness, essentially, that they were doing. Um, To add to that, not only that abandoned or maybe homeless, like maybe you feel like there's nowhere that feels comfortable to you, um, and, or that wandering mm-hmm. that they did. Um, how many of us can maybe liken so many of those similar th- journeying emotions, if that's a thing, a journeying emotion. <laughs> but I think this is can be so relevant to all of us that um, we need rescue just as much as they did then. And and I think another thing that we might feel wandering or lost on, on another note is as we jump into Second Nephi, we're getting ready to enter into the Isaiah chapters, quote unquote, that we call them in the Book of Mormon. And um, I think these chapters are such good prep for what we're going to be reading in the, over the next month as we study Second Nephi. Um, I love these chapters because it proves to me how much Nephi and Jacob and these people loved the scriptures. We know that they went back and they got the scriptures and that they've been precious to them. But the way that they teach from Isaiah in these chapters, um, for me, just has helped me as I get ready and to study more of Isaiah because it can be hard. But these guys loved Isaiah and I love the things that they learn from Isaiah and that we get to learn from Isaiah through them. And uh, we'll we'll talk a lot more about this in our next episode, which will be all about Isaiah. We'll give you some things that'll help make Isaiah easier for you to read and more enjoyable, and it'll make it come alive. But one simple thing is just looking for truths about the Lord. I, the reason Nephi puts Isaiah in is because Isaiah talks so much about the Lord's plan for rescuing us. Uh, this is verse 17 in chapter 6. Jacob says that he was commanded to specifically quote some scriptures, and these are the scriptures he's commanded to quote. And they're also in 1 Nephi chapter 21. So Nephi quotes these Isaiah verses. Jacob quotes these Isaiah verses. I've always thought, I think these are Nephi's favorite verses. I think this is Nephi's favorite scriptures. So verse 17, Thus saith the Lord, Even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For the mighty God shall deliver his covenant people. For thus saith the Lord, I will contend with them that contend with thee. And then at the very end of verse 18, all flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. And so here's Jacob quoting that truth, that God will redeem his people. And what we want to study in this episode is, how does he plan to do it? And I think we'll just, for the first point of how he plans to do that, we'll piggyback off of that that exact idea God gives us servants to rescue us. And I love the beginning of not only thinking of what we just mentioned, that these are prophets quoting prophets who um, understand each other and know each other because they love the Lord as much as each other. So they just love to read from each other. But um, in the beginning, I couldn't help but recognize these words. First of all, just knowing that Jacob 
um, Phil's called of Nephi. Nephi gave him the trust. It says, Nephi, unto whom you look as a king or a protector, on whom you depend for safety. Um, that's who's calling me to tell you these words. So here's Jacob. And then in chapter, in verse three of chapter six, he says, nevertheless, I speak unto you again, for I am desirous for the welfare of your souls. Yea, my anxiety is great for you. Um, I, I love the, I was going to say, I love the anxiety. (laughs) I love his passion, I guess I would say for his desire to, um, save the people. He is, he knows that he has an assignment from God to help preach to these people um, the goodness of God. And I feel that today, that we have um, prophets and apostles today doing the same thing for us in the same way. They feel that same way about us. Um, and I love knowing that that's one of the ways that he he rescues me, he rescues us today. In fact, we had a cool experience this week to um, watch a, a broadcast of um, Elder Bednar doing what Elder Bednar does whenever he's with a group of people answering questions and and working with people and I was struck this time as I watched with how much Elder Bednar cared when he does these question and answer sessions how much he cares that what he's teaching is understood that it makes a difference and that people really do get it and that it changes their life um, in this back and forth he's letting people ask questions and he'll answer their questions but then he always goes back to him and says does that answer your question? And if there's any hesitancy, he picks up on it. That didn't, did it? Uh, tell me what you're hearing. He kept saying this, tell me what you're hearing that hasn't been said. Tell me what God is teaching you right now. Tell It was this overwhelming um, example, this repeated example of how much this one apostle, as an example of all of them, cares about us and is desirous for the welfare of our souls and really wants us to come to know God better. Um, and so just a recent example of that one truth, that one of the ways that God plans to rescue us is through his servants, through our church leaders, the men and women that he um, calls to lead us and teach us and guide us. And that he uses scriptures to do that too. Um, of course, Elder Bednar, Bednar quoted often, we were both commenting like, how does he do this open discussion like that, like like he does so often, and just know how to teach. It's because he knows the scriptures. And that's what we see from, from Nephi and Jacob as well, that they know, um, he says, I will read you the words of Isaiah and they are the words which my brother has desired that I should speak unto you. Um, and again, I just, and those are just those verses again in the very beginning of chapter six that I just couldn't help but, um, going along with his servants, the scriptures are there for us to, to rescue and save us that, um, they really can be, a comfort and a strength to us as we read these stories. And you've heard me talk about this before. Um, so of course I would pick up on this one as something, but I believe that. Um, and I love that we get to hear from these prophets who loved another prophet and that we get to learn and grow from that and be saved as we joy in the scriptures and in the words of the prophets, just like they do. One of the points that I found in our um, in our episode two years ago when we did the Book of Mormon, um, one of the questions we asked in that study was, what are the truths about God that make us less scared of judgment, final judgment? One of the themes in these chapters is Jacob preparing his people to meet the Lord. And we outlined three things that we underestimate about God. It's actually a pretty good episode if you go back and listen to it. Um, 
But the three things we pointed out that we underestimate about God is we underestimate his power, we underestimate his mercy, and we underestimate his goodness. Um, those three words have been with me a lot as I've been reading the Book of Mormon this time through. Uh, this is back in First Nephi chapter 1. This is Lehi. And he has this great vision from, from God, and he proclaims after his vision, Great, and this is verse 14, Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God Almighty. Thy throne is high in the heavens, and thy power and goodness and mercy are over all the inhabitants of the earth. Um, so I think those three things help enable the Lord to want to save us and enable him to save us, his power, his goodness, and his mercy. But I want to add a fourth thing that I think we underestimate about God that I noticed this time through. Um, this is chapter 7, verse 4. The Lord hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season unto thee, O house of Israel. And then this. When you are weary, he waketh morning by morning. Um, verse 7. The Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Verse 8. And the Lord is near. Verse 9. For the Lord God will help me. And then verse 3 uh, in chapter 8. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. One of the things that Elder Bednar taught us that I really liked was we often uh, will look at a scripture block or even just state that in order to receive revelation or in order to have God be with us, there's this formula. We have to do this, then do this, then do this, and then God will talk to us or and then God will be with us. And one of the things Elder Bednar seemed really adamant about teaching us is that's not at all how it works. God is always with us. He's our Father in heaven. He's always talking. He's always reaching out, and he's always giving revelation. Um, there are principles that govern our ability to hear it, but it's not that we have to do step A, B, and then C, and then God will talk to us. He's always there. These verses that he, when you're weary, he'll wake morning by morning with you, that when you're in your waste places, he'll comfort you. When you're in your wilderness or in your desert, he'll make it a garden I think is Isaiah, Jacob, and Isaiah trying to show that one of the things we underestimate about God is his presence. He's everywhere. He's everywhere all the time. We are constantly living with the Lord um, because he's our Father and he loves us. Um, and so I love that truth that one of the ways, uh, there's not this event where God is rescuing us. It's something he's always doing. It's part of his personality and his character to be with us and to rescue us. You know, if I can say for me personally, um, I know I knew that to an extent, but it was really um, felt good to my heart when I when I had that um, that confirmation from him on how that is. Because a lot of times I just feel like, well, I haven't had any big answer or I haven't had anything, you know, a light from heaven, show me the way to go. But um, sometimes I just feel like God is there. Um, I feel like he is there. And maybe when I feel like he isn't, I can recognize and turn around and say, oh, actually he was leading me in this time. And I, I think for me, hearing that from Elder Bednar in that way, and even having this reminder in these scriptures that um, let's not lessen 
who God is and his great power in that way, because he is there for us. And, but on the flip side, like we also need to show up, right? We need to be there and um, be listening for him and recognizing him. Um, going back to, these are a couple of verses that Zach didn't read, but right before those he did in chapter seven, yea, for thus saith the Lord, have I put thee away or have I cast thee off forever? For thus saith the Lord, where is the bill of your mother's divorcement? To whom have I put thee away? Or to which of my creditors have I sold you? Yea, to whom have I sold you? Behold, for your iniquities have you sold yourselves and for your transgression is your mother put away. Um, I think that's pretty clear in in how he feels. It's like, I am showing up for you. Show up for me too. And then this is in chapter 7, verse 2, the next verse. Wherefore, when I came, there was no man. When I called, yea, there is, was none to answer. O house of Israel, is my hand shortened, all that it cannot redeem, or have I no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make their rivers a wilderness and their fish to stink because the waters are dried up and they die because of thirst. Um, I was struck by these because of those questions that um, Isaiah is speaking in this messianic way that I am there for you. Where are you? I've done these things. I'm going to remind you of these things. And I've been there all along. And I guess I can give proof to that proof that he's trying to give is that even in those barren times or in those wildernesses of our own, that he really is there for us. And he's just everywhere, as Elder Bednar said, waiting for us to show up to. I love the pleading in those verses. It's mm-hmm. almost as if he's oh, me too. He's trying to get you to understand where where's the bill of your mother's divorcement? Who are your creditors? I haven't done anything to, to give you away. If you're feeling distant from me, it's not because of me. I'm here and I'm knocking and I'm calling and I'm talking. If you're feeling distant, it's not because of me. It's because of you. There's nothing that you could do. Paul says this, right? There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Um, and so I think if there's an action for us, it's true that he's there always rescuing and working to redeem us. Um, but we have to pay attention in the morning, in our wilderness, in our waste places. I think we have to be a little bit more um, aware of the Lord being there with us. Look around and see him. Um and uh, recognize his presence. And one more point um, from this idea of him rescuing us. And we I'm going to read these again back in chapter 6 when Jacob starts um, preaching to the people. Um, in verse 9, um, Nevertheless, the Lord has shown unto me that they should return again, and he has also shown unto me that the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, should manifest himself unto them in the flesh. And after he should manifest himself, they should scourge him and crucify him according to the words of the angel who spoke it unto me. Um, and he goes on to talk more about the Holy One of Israel and what would happen to Christ and that Christ was going to come. And then later on, we get from him in chapter 9, these beautiful verses of, of the Savior and what was going to be happening and the plan and how Christ is the center of that plan. And I think in the frame that we're working with and how are we going to be rescued, um, I think it's very appropriate to say that Christ is the center of this plan. Well, we know that's true, right? He is the center of the plan, but he is the plan. 
um, and some of these beautiful verses from Jacob about um, the Savior and what he is going to do and how crucial he is um, in, in our rescuing. So this is in chapter 9, verse 5. Yea, I know that ye know that in the body he shall show himself unto those at the Jerusalem from whence we came. For it is expedient that it should be among them. For it behooveth the great creator that he suffereth himself to become subject unto man in the flesh and die for all men, that all men might become subject unto him. And then again, um, I mean, there's great verses all throughout. I mean, it's chapter 9, Second Nephi chapter 9, right? We know this. This is great stuff on this. But again, um, I'll read chapter, verse 21. I always mix up my chapters and my verses, so I apologize for that. But this is chapter 9, verse 21. And he cometh into the world that he may save all men if they will hearken unto his voice. For behold, he suffereth the pains of all men, yea, the pains of every living creature, both men, women, and children who belong to the family of Adam. Um, I love that Christ is the middle of these verses. It's all about him. It centers on him. And I guess that's why we're all here, right? Um, that Jesus Christ is the way and the center and always how God intended to save us and to rescue us and to help us when we're wandering, that it's through his son who came down to the earth and died for us so that we could all be rescued. That is God's love, right? That is the way that he came and really showed us showed us those things. I know we've mentioned this in probably tens if not hundreds of episodes but um, one of the things I think that President Nelson first did as, uh, as prophet was to correct our idea of the atonement of Jesus Christ. It's quite common still, I think, for us to say things like, because of the atonement, I can be set free, or I'm so grateful for the atonement because of what it does for me. And President Nelson corrected us and pointed out it is not the atonement. There is no amorphous entity called the atonement that's out there helping and strengthening and rescuing people. The atonement is the name given to the act Jesus Christ performed that enabled him to rescue us. So it's not the atonement that strengthens us. It's Jesus Christ that strengthens us. It's not the atonement that rescues us. It's Jesus Christ that rescues us. And that is exactly what Jacob is teaching. He became subject to men in the flesh. He went through what he went through, the atonement, so that he could help all men come to him and all men and women come to the Father. Um, and so this verse at the end of chapter 9, Behold, my beloved brethren, remember the words of your God. This is verse 52. Pray unto him continually by day and give thanks unto his holy name by night. Let your hearts rejoice. And behold, how great the covenants of the Lord, and how great his condescensions unto the children of men. And because of his greatness, and his grace, and mercy, he has promised unto us that our seed shall not utterly be destroyed according to the flesh, but that he would preserve them. And in future generations they shall become a righteous branch unto the house of Israel. Now that means a lot to the Nephites. In other words, Jacob is teaching God has a home for you and for your children and for the generations after you. He will rescue you now and he will rescue them in the future. But to us, if we're to liken these unto us, um, we who find ourselves often in that Chilean mine and feel bereft of help and alone, 
um, this mighty God who has this great plan rescues us, comforts us, is there for us always. And, um, and I can testify of that. I, he's, he's been that for me in my darkest places um, and in my, my, I don't know, most buried moments. Um, I felt that he's rescued me and it means a lot to me. And I think even in those happy moments, we can find him too. I love that um, verse that you read, Zach, the 52 at the end, he just says, let your hearts rejoice. And I think we can rejoice in those those things that we've talked about today. Um, let's not underestimate and let's rejoice in God's mercy, in his power, in his goodness, in his grace, in verse 53. Um, and then the one that you said, in his presence, in his presence, let's remember those things and rejoice in those things so that we can show up and experience and feel them in the way that God wants us to. Thank you so much for studying with us this week. Uh, enjoy your study. Enjoy finding how the Lord will rescue you and then open your eyes and look for him doing it. Have a wonderful week and we'll see you next episode.